The name of this episode is Saturday Night Mass, Vatican II's Gift to Teenagers. As a teenage Catholic, one of the toughest things to do was to get up on a Sunday morning to go to church. Sundays of sleeping, you would think to yourself, especially when you got home at two in the morning after drinking coffee at Dunkin' Donuts to sober up from the half pint of rum you drank on Saturday night. But your parents in the church have other ideas. Going to Mass at least once a week is a holy obligation. You don't go, it's a mortal sin. Of course, there are ways to get out of it. If you're sick or have no way to get to church because your legs are broken, or a hurricane is raging outside your door. Not going because you're hungover or stayed out too late the night before doesn't count. It makes the sin even more sinful. So you begin to resent the church, the Mass, and everything associated with it. Stupid, creaky, hard pews, kneeling socks. Why do I have to go up to the altar to take communion? Why can't the priest just bring it to me? You nitpick every detail, and when you leave, instead of feeling full of grace, you're bored, frustrated, and sleepy. You look around, and you know all of your teenage friends feel the same way, except for that one girl who always seems to have that holier-than-you glow about her. Stupid girl. Wouldn't it be nice since I had to go to church, if I could go at a more convenient time, let's say 5.30 in the evening, when I was awake and might actually pay attention. Eh, who am I kidding? Rather than 9.30 in the morning, when I can barely keep my eyes open. Then one day, a friend from the Lithuanian church tells you that his church is starting Saturday evening masses at 5.30 p.m. Better yet, it counts for your weekly mass obligation. Best of all, it only lasts 30 to 40 minutes. Hallelujah! Apparently, there was a huge gathering of Catholics at the Vatican. They called it Vatican II. I didn't even know there was a Vatican I. Pope John XXIII called the leaders of the church together to help the Catholic Church catch up with all the developments going on in the world, rather than staying stuck in its old ways. It's about time, I thought. One change they proposed was that the Mass could now be spoken in the language that the people in the pew actually understood. As an altar boy for a few years, I had to learn some Latin so that I could fulfill my part in the performance of the Mass. For a poor kid from the projects, being an altar boy was a way to make a few bucks during funerals and weddings, but it also meant participating in the weekly Mass on a rotating schedule. I can't say I always remembered the Latin I was taught, But I did learn that if I said Dominus, the Latin word for Lord, at the right times, because the priest was always listening for this, then I could get away with it. The other requirement was to make sure that mixing the water and the wine during the Mass was heavy on the wine. Of course, there was one problem with attending the Lithuanian church in my neighborhood. I was Irish Catholic, and my parish was St. Patrick's, an Irish Catholic church. The fact that the Lithuanian church, or the Portuguese-Italian church St. Anthony's, was closer to my home didn't matter. We were segregated by ethnicity. Not only was it a sin to go to a non-Catholic church, I was told, it was a sin to go to a non-Irish Catholic church. Who knew that it was God who had divided the world according to ethnic groups? I wondered if heaven was segregated in the same way. Of course, asking the question out loud resulted in a whack from Father Burrow's belt. Fortunately, my parents were a little more liberal than the priests. So long as I fulfilled my obligation to go to weekly Mass, they didn't care where I went. Besides, 
It made Sunday mornings, the day of rest, a little more restful without the complaints of the teenage children as they were awakened. I recall that first Saturday evening when I went to the Lithuanian church. It wasn't a huge church. It probably sat around 300 people. As I turned the corner toward the entrance at 5.20, it reminded me of arriving at Harvard Square after school, where scores of us would go to hang out in front of the coop before heading home or to jobs. There had to be about 60 teenagers waiting to enter the church. The word had gotten out quickly, without social media or cell phones. Two parish priests stood outside smiling broadly and welcomed us to the Mass. Once inside the church, the surroundings were similar, but I did notice a few key differences. Instead of a painting of St. Patrick's in the foyer as you entered the sanctuary, there was a painting of St. Casimir, the patron saint of Lithuanian youth. While he had the customary halo surrounding his head, he was much younger with no long flowing beard. I thought it seemed appropriate that the first church in the neighborhood to accommodate the need of Catholic teenagers for an evening mass would have a young looking saint. When the Mass began at 5.30, I expected to hear the usual Latin phrases. Instead, I heard English, not even Lithuanian. When the priest raised the host, Corpus Christi was replaced with the body of Christ. Sanguis Christi was, became the blood of Christ. We gave each other the sign of peace, which for teenagers there, who were the bulk of the attendees, was joined with big smiles and high fives. There was a homily, but it only lasted five minutes. The whole service was over in 35 minutes. Outside, we continued the celebration, laughing, making plans to get together later. I went home for dinner and then got ready to go out. After convincing a man to buy some alcohol for us at a local liquor store, I joined my friends down by the river, some of whom had also gone to the mass. Our first toast of the evening was to the priest at the Lithuanian church for following the spirit of Vatican II to catch up with the times. Other Catholic friends from outside our neighborhood were there and a little envious because they didn't have a 5.30 p.m. Mass at their church. They would be sure to join us next week for the festivities. Later that night, a few of us met up at the Dunkin' Donuts coffee shop for our weekly ritual of attempting to hide our alcohol consumption from our parents by drinking black coffee. It seldom worked. I finally made my way home and stealthily let myself into the apartment where everyone else was sleeping. I staggered slowly to my bed, making sure not to wake anyone in the process. Not an easy task when you sleep in the same bedroom with four brothers. As I lay there, my final thoughts before drifting off to sleep was how glad I was that I would not have to get up in the morning to head to church. I think I even said a little prayer of thanksgiving. Eventually, all the churches in the area, area developed a 5.30 Saturday evening Mass, in part because the post-Vatican II Catholic Church encouraged it but mostly because they had to compete with one another to get teenagers to attend. Such is the reality for churches and societies where a wall of separation between church and state exists and contributions are voluntary. Confirmation would change the expectations my parents placed on me regarding church attendance. Since I was considered an adult in the faith, I was now responsible for my own spiritual upkeep. Yet I kept going to the 5.30 Mass, even when my parents no longer asked for proof that I intended. At least for a while. I figured since the church was willing to make an important change to accommodate me, I could at least reward their efforts with my weekly participation. <laughs>